Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome. This is the Podcaster Community Show, short conversations that are not just about podcasting because I like to take the scenic route. My guest today is Doug Thompson. Welcome, Doug. How are you? I am well, Craig. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I always, I say this all the time, people are fast forwarding. I love like that people take the time to be like, I don't know, I'll try a half hour with Craig. And I think it speaks a lot toward everybody's interest in good conversation that they're willing to just like, if I had said to you, yeah, let's do a four hour call, (laughs) then maybe you'd be a little more reticent to click the button. Um, But when you offer somebody a short opportunity to try something bite-sized with maybe the carrot on a stick lure of, I promise it'll be a good conversation that tends to make people jump. Uh, And I'm, I'm just wondering I, if I understand correctly, you have a background from the early days in radio. I'm going to say the early days, like, you know, early days of the internet radio. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was very early days for some year. I mean, you didn't uh, work for Marconi, right? But it was like, but. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah no, but, I'm a little bit younger than that. <laughs> where did you um, first realize that storytelling was something that you were really into? Was that in radio or did you develop skills in radio and then you realized it when you got into podcasting or was it in sales? Like where did conversation really become a thing that you were aware of that you were good at? Well, the, the, the key is aware. So conversation, I was naturally drawn to. And again, we since I was in the days before text messaging and, you know, we went through all the iterations of it, of pagers, of the bag phones, of these other things that we went through. So, so I went through all those different things. And when I started in radio, it was somewhat of a, it, it was a, a lark in that they had a contest. The, the morning DJ had a contest for a sports person to come on. So you just simply call in an audition and they would pick a winner and you do this. And, and I was like, well, you know, hey, I like sports. I like to have fun. Why not? You know, I've always been sort of somebody that it's, there's, there's a challenge. This sounds interesting, right? And so I, I called in. I did the, the the sports thing, and it was very. Uh, it, it was it was not like the professional ones that you see now. It, it was more like a Saturday Night Live skit of a sportscaster <laughs> that went on. But but it, but it played well. But that can you be know, really good on radio, right? It really was. I mean, for the morning, you want a little bit lighthearted. You want you don't want any serious topics in the morning. And it sort of fit that bill. So I, I got on. So I did the morning sports. It was a 15-minute hit there for, as it started. And then I got to do some remotes. And then I got to do some um, uh, remotes. And I actually was the color guy on on doing high school football. And I was the color commentator. Mm. The guy was doing play-by-play. And so it all sort of evolved through these things. Um, I, I, you know, again, going back to how I, when I would go in, <clears throat> and you can appreciate this from an editing audio standpoint, we had reel-to-reel tape, and I had to go ahead and cut it with a razor blade and spice things, splice things together. <laughs> right. right. There's no audacity or anything like that where you could digitally just wipe things out. I had to go in and do these things, and it was uh, it was a learning experience that went on. So um, I appreciate the ability to sort of highlight and delete and tune in these other things we have now. So that was that, was that and I did that for a couple of years. But I realized... There's a couple of things I realized. One, that whoever wrote WKRP actually came from a radio station because all those characters. <laughs> right, I heard you say that on another show, right? This yeah. is real. Slightly yeah, magnified, was- but no, real. Yeah. And and um, two, that you it was somewhat of a, you had to be somewhat of a nomad to, to sort of, because you went from small markets to go on and all these. And I couldn't really do that to my family. So I stuck with my day job and just sort of wrote it off for a bit. And then uh, I got into I got into tech sales and, and sales nerdery as, as I like to call it, 
and I, you know, I was, I got really good at it. I did these quarterly briefings where I would record it on a DVD. This is when I worked for Microsoft and I record the, the quarter. It was like a half hour chat. It was like a little, a, a, a tonight show. I'd interview people, you know, talk mm-hmm. about the products, do different things. And I, um, and I've shipped DVDs around the world, which is an interesting concept to people who grew up with the internet. So <laughs> yeah. the man be shipping DVDs. Around. Why did you do that? Well, we had yeah. dial used to mail us AOL, right? <laughs> yeah, AOL used to show up in the mail. <laughs> I'm really happy when I had the 33 K speed on the dial up. That was then when I was, a, that was a winner. And then I got into, I did a video about training a very, and explaining a very complex process they had to go through and we ended up reprinting that three times and so we we went through that phase and then we were interviewing for somebody for my my position a similar position to mine uh, which was again tech sales and and we went through like 30 candidates my manager at the time just sort of turned to me and said you know look we 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 can't find anybody we need to clone you because you have the ability to tell a story and and it was that at that moment as I sat and tried to digest what she was saying, that I realized that what I did, it, it didn't, it didn't necessarily come naturally, but I did it unconsciously. I was sort of attracted to talking to people. And as I went through my career, I, I found that people related to stories. And I, I liked reading when I was a kid and I liked the Hardy Boys and, and different things like that. That again, dating myself. But, but I, I said, Oh, I, this is a unique skill that I have. And, and then, about a year or so later, I went back to a high school reunion. We we counted decades, so I don't go tell you what that was. But, but they had some memorabilia in um, you know different things that from from the class time. This was back in the late seventies, and there was a there was a a note there. It was a tardy slip that said you know it was, had my name on it. I wrote it out, and I said you know a coke truck dropped all the cokes on the freeway and blocked traffic, and that's why I was late. And it was approved, you know, by the way, <laughs> good thing they didn't have, you know, they didn't have Twitter and stuff to actually check on these things now. But I realized at that time I've told stories all my life and, and just sort of did it unconsciously. So that's where I sort of directed into it. How can I keep this storytelling going and how can I do this? So I've done some, you know, I did some segments on LinkedIn where I do mindset Monday and do a little video type thing. And then I said, okay, let's do this podcasting thing. And so I've been doing that for about four seasons now. Um, I also do the company podcast. I'm the host for that. And I do some guest hosting on some others. So I really like the conversation piece of that. And what I really like is the stories that sort of develop from a conversation. There's definitely a knack in conversation. Um, So when you're telling stories, um, I don't want to like say you're doing it because you want attention, but when you're telling stories to be interesting and funny or to, to share an emotion with someone, then there's the next level up, which is when you're figuring out what is the story that this other person, I'm going to say, needs to hear. Like if, you're in, if you're in tech sales, you're also trying to like, what's the story that I can tell them that would correlate with the thing we'd like to sell you? Um, mm-hmm. But do you ever real? Do you like recall the point where you saw that as a difference, and and maybe like how you were able to. I don't want to say weaponize it, but like turn it into a tool. So now, you know, there's lots of stories I can tell. I can tell a funny anecdote. I can tell a leap on the sword story, um, or I can try to figure out what is the thing that these people don't see that they need and craft that story. Like, do you, do you remember when you were able to first deploy that as a tool? Uh, Well, again, it started unconsciously as I would sort of adapt 
stories. And really in the background in technology with a specific product, you may only have four or five different stories, but you put a different spin on it that fits the customer situation mm-hmm. that, that they need. Because in, in technology, whether I'm in education, I'm government, I'm in high tech, I'm in pharma or whatever, the technology is sort of fixed in what it does. You can customize and sort of tweak it on the end to sort of spit that uh, fit that specific uh, workflow. But I use I will use the language for like if I'm in education, I have to use education language to describe something that somebody in pharma would not understand what I'm talking about, even though I'm talking about the same thing, right? So it's almost like I'm a translator to, to sort of put it in the language that they're familiar with. I, when I consciously did that was probably about six or seven years ago. Um, it, it was, you know, uh, what was I doing again after I sort of said, oh, I've got a unique skill here. I need to help other people tell stories. So I started mentoring a lot of people back when I was at Microsoft on the same thing is, okay, let me distill. So it's a little bit of the homework of what am I doing, being conscious about what am I doing and, and you know, where's that at? I mean, it wasn't on a high moment. Nobody pointed it out. It was just something as I'm trying to trying to hone the craft. What am I doing that it seems to be working? What am I doing that's not? What can I do? Do you ever get to situations where you, you know, you're, you're talking with someone, um, maybe not necessarily in a sales capacity, but like in a technical con- area and, and the story in my head can sometimes be, yeah, that's, that's too complicated <laughs> for me to explain. And like, how do you walk the line between you know, just saying uh, the wizard behind the curtain says that's not a thing. Just, you know, ignore it. And and like trying to actually figure out if they want to learn, you know, the, like teach a man to fish versus yeah. give them a fish. Yeah. Like, how do you walk the line between saying like, oh, here's the fish go away. The answer is no, it doesn't work um, versus like, well, this is going to take a lot of time here. But I think this person wants to fish, wants to learn to fish. Yeah. And like, like yeah. how do you how do you like walk that line and make those decisions? Like, what are the things you uh, look for in them yeah. or the things that you see that are indicative? Well, there's a couple, so there's a couple gotchas there. One of them, when I'm walking in a room, if I'm talking to the business people and all the other things, then then I know the level is going to be about 50 to 100, maybe 150 of, of technology. That's the discussion level. Perfect. Now I get into a bunch of engines. So we've gotten past that part. They want the engineers to look at it. <laughs> I almost immediately go up and say, look, I am not the smartest person in this room. But I do know who to call that is much smarter than I am to answer your questions. <laughs> the guy with the Rolodex back in the day. Exactly. Right? So I try to set the stage, you know, that, that if it's a really deep conversation about these things, I'm a bit of a polymath, which sort of really works to my advantage. And then I have a bunch of different interests so that I can find some common ground with somebody. I actually call this starting the story where the where the listener is, where the, where the audience is. Being that, okay, I, I do, and I do a little LinkedIn stalking or a little other things, get a little background information about either what they're familiar with or what the industry is for me, what the problems are facing with these other things. And then try to start a story. Again, put the, putting the framework around the core message in a language, in a, in a, and it could be, look, I was talking to a customer. I read a story. I read these other things, a sort of introduction that says, okay, the listener, okay, he understands sort of where I'm at. And then I will go, and sometimes I'll, and uh, I can use the eyes glassing over as I'm getting too deep, <laughs> or they're <laughs> under phone, you know, they're doing something else that you've mm-hmm. lost there, right? So it's you have to sort of constantly monitor the conversation, the the body reactions of what's going on before you go on, because sometimes I've gotten a little too deep, and I have to 
I said, look, we sort of gotten off in the weeds here a little bit. Let me get back and you have to reset things. So there's no hard and fast rule for it because everybody's feedback of when we've reached that glass over moment is different. But mm-hmm. the reactions is, does you have as a human, we all have similar reactions. We get distracted. We go do something else. Um, you know, they fall asleep. <laughs> something like that. Uh, sometimes I wonder, uh, can everybody tell a story like it seems to me like storytelling is so, um, I don't know if it's physiologically deeply rooted or we just get so steeped in it, you know, from infancy on that everybody learns how to do it, but some people don't know they know how to do it. Like, is it, is it really true? I'm wondering, can everybody tell a story or is it like some people they're just missing a skill set? <laughs> yeah. Well, Lisa Cron wrote a book wired for story where she talks about the brain and this, I did my Ted talk on this as well is the brain is wired to comprehend stories. And, and the reason being, and I was interviewing somebody uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, on, for the podcast, and she gave a point in her TED Talk that the, you, know, you get like a million inputs. I forget, it was a bigger number than that at a time. Your brain can handle about 100. Right. So, so we have to go to the, to the subconscious where we're doing. This is where story comes in because it starts involving emotions. It makes it more, more memorable. So I started my TED Talk giving off a number. And then I started telling a story. And then after that, I got to the end of it. I was like, now, can you remember the number that I told you? One person out of all the times I've done that has been, a- been able to tell that. But, but everybody else says, no, I can't remember. But they can remember the stories that I told. Hmm. It's just sort of, so you have that connection. So the brain's wired to receive information that way from one point. So you can tap into it. They get that. Now, the telling of stories is, I think it's a skill you need to build. We have the capabilities of doing that, but sometimes it gets overloaded with everything else. Um, you know, when when uh, the technology, I think, is to a lot of to a large extent, is sort of destroyed that aspect, and now everything's sixty characters or whatever. It's a tweet, it's a thought, it's something, right? It's not really. A story. <laughs> it has a bell and attached. It's, a it's kid, brightly I, colored, right? Yeah, <laughs> as a kid, I, that's how we communicate was talking to each other, and we'd tell stories, and we'd you know we'd lie about this or we exaggerate, but that you you talk to people. And you had that art, and, and now anymore, they, you know, I think we don't teach and we don't invest in in the children and adults and stuff to learn to tell. So yeah, you can learn. Your level of success, I think, will be limited somewhat about your experiences and stuff that you have. But yeah, I think everybody can can learn to tell a at least a rudimentary story. Um, I you know I really liked. I grew up with Paul Harvey <clears throat> and tell the rest of the story in the back, and I would. Every day at five o'clock, I'd be there to sort of listen to that. So I'd, I'd love that. And then Mike Rowe came up telling things with the way I heard it. And, and they're just great. It's a, you know, I'm, I'm attracted to stories and the way people tell them and the things that go on even more than books, because the, when you have the voice and you have the different inflection, you have all these different tools that you can use. It's really an art form. Yeah. There's so much more content that you have access to in audio, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people talk about the magic of radio and I, it's really the magic of audio. Um, mm-hmm. As you were talking and you mentioned, um, I, I'm known for having a soapbox about social media. I promise I'm not standing on it. I won't get on it. But I, I'm curious about your thoughts on, it just occurred to me that if people are, I don't want to like overgeneralize, but if people are living in their phone or living in their computer, and, and a lot of us got this done to us for the last two years, and I'm, I'm just thinking there's a piece that you're missing. So you, 
you can't actually, well, maybe a really good storyteller could, but you can't really tell a story through Twitter or through even like a text email. And when you mentioned the difference between books and listening to the radio is what struck me. And I'm just trying to imagine, like, how do you encourage people who maybe you and I see as like, well, you you have the storytelling biology or the storytelling hard wetware, but like, how do you encourage them to like take the chance of putting the phone down and and maybe going to a social event, you know, in places where that's safe to do? But like, how do we encourage them to to go show up for storytelling? Is it go find an improv class? Is it go volunteer at your local radio station? Is it um, jump on you know live interactive calls like this? Or what's the that's access gateway? Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that way. Um, yeah, you did mention improv classes, and that's an important part of storytelling. In that, I, I took I took the entry level, and I'm actually going through another improv class right now with a with a mentor of mine. And it te- the the main thing there's a couple of things that it teaches you, and this is the one thing that's a skill for me when I'm out in sales, is the ability to listen, and not just listen on the surface. Hmm. To it's listening to what they're telling you, what they're going on, and then doing the number one rule in, in, in improv is yes and. So taking what they're saying, and here's how we can solve that problem. Not that, you know, because sometimes you know inside that there's a better way to accomplish what they think they're what you think they're trying to tell you. That doesn't matter, right? You, it, no, it, you know, no, that's a yes, but. <laughs> you know, it's a yes and. Okay, yeah, we can do that. And over time, you can evolve to go, go on. But it's the ability to listen, to really connect with that person, to understand where they're coming from, what their worries are, what their things are. Um, the, I mean, that's a great, that's some great tools. And then sort of the structure of a story. Um, but to, to get them to go on, you know, I, I anybody that's sort of an aspiring speaker or presenter that I work with, I say, look, go take an improv class. Uh, if you're in tech sales, go take an improv class. Because if you're up presenting, You've always got somebody out there that's going to toss a question that's not on the talk track, right? And then how do you respond to that? How do you, you know, do you say, oh, I can't answer that. I go on. Do you, you let it totally derail you? Right. Or do you let that interactions that you pick up visually. Like you look on the audience, yeah. you're like, no, they're all glassing over. This is not landing. Yeah. That's that's literally yeah. improv would teach you how yeah, they're to telling like, you left. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that it, it is, uh, yeah, I all those things that you mentioned are great. Get on a podcast with somebody. Get on. You know, uh, any chance you have to, to sort of get in front of a group of people could take Toastmasters, you know, do something like that. That's a good point. I've, I've heard that mentioned a lot. I've never done Toastmasters, but I've heard that mentioned a lot. And I've heard a lot of people have really good things to say about, I'm going to say being pushed in the pool. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Toastmasters. This is your first day at Toastmasters. You have to yeah, <laughs> turn I, in the I fight club. I've got a couple of good friends that really, I mean, some of them lead the group. Uh, somebody I just released a podcast episode for. In Canada, she leads the group. I, for for me, I wasn't a good fit, and you know, I'm sure I could. I, I did learn some things from it, but for me, I wasn't a good fit for it. That's not that the program is bad. That's the program. You know, it, like anything else, you know, it's not a fit for everybody. And right. and those shoes yeah. were just a little tight for me. That's a compliment. You know, that's a compliment to the program. If the program is specific yeah. enough to serve a certain set, then that's yeah. a good sign. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm watching our time fly by and we haven't said a single thing about any of your shows or anything. So if people are interested, where can they get in touch with you or find out more about what you're currently working on or how would you like them to reach out to you? Sure. I, I am the Doug Thompson on all those hateful social media platforms. Uh, anybody could be a <laughs> Doug Thompson, but I want to be the Doug Thompson. 
Um, so LinkedIn is where I'm most active, but I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well. My I have my podcast, which is the Doug Thompson podcast. I'm gonna be changing it up a little bit here in the fall, so stay tuned. There's a little little brand change there. I do the company podcast. I work at Tanium. I work the uh, the podcast there, and just you know, I'm just around. So I'm gonna try to be a little bit more active in the community here. Thanks for inviting me here. I like to talk to like minded people and people that necessarily aren't necessarily like minded. That's fun too. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, as I said at the beginning, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. It's a distinct pleasure to, uh, you know, actually get to spend some time, you know, not on a Hollywood squares type call and chat and talk about conversation. So thanks so much, Doug. Thanks for having me.